Hi, and welcome to the Eat, Move, Live 52 podcast. I'm Roland. And I'm Galena. It's great to be here. Yeah, as you know, uh, every couple of episodes, we, Galena and I, uh, get together and uh, we just uh, want to talk about some of the things that are really important to us, things that are going on in our lives, in the lives of our readers, listeners, viewers. And this is one of those episodes. Yeah, it's so good to kind of pause in the midst of all these good interviews that we've done and all the good interviews we have lined up. Yeah, we love doing interviews, but every time we do them, we're like, I'm like, oh, there's something I want to say. There's something I want to say that doesn't quite fit in. And uh, so this is a great opportunity to do that. Maybe I should interview you sometimes. That would be great. Maybe I should interview you. You probably should. I think we're both going to learn a lot about each other. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So we're going to open today with uh, just talking a little bit about our book and what's been happening on Amazon. And we've slowly kind of been racking up reviews. And um, if you're an avid Amazon reviewer, we'd love to have a review from you. If you own our book, it will move well, live well, 52 ways to feel better in a week. Whether it's a paper book or you have it as a Kindle, um, head over there and read some of the other reviews and please leave us one. Five stars or nothing. (laughs) And I just, um, a reviewer has won my heart this week. Um, You know, we had a favorite one star review for a while there. Um, What was it? Basic advice and weird advice. That was the whole review. Yeah, that's no longer our favorite review. I'm going to read to you our favorite review right now. And Adam, if you're listening, I love you, man. Okay, so here's what he says. If you want to lose weight, this book is great. I got this book as a Christmas gift. When I got the book, I was 190 pounds. I'm now 178 pounds and losing about two pounds per week. I also went from a waist size 40 to a waist size 37. The author feels that if you do everything he recommends in the book, you should lose at least 25 pounds. The whole book is 434 pages, and I only read the first 44 pages. And because I did everything in the first 44 pages, I lost 12 pounds. Apparently, you don't even have to read the whole book, guys. It works so well. What did we calculate? Like two pounds per page? Oh, yeah. It's great. So I mean, so th- those of you who have been like, oh, gosh, I have to read this whole book before I can get started or read this whole book before I can uh, make any sort of improvements, Adam is proof positive that that is not true. You can, as we've been saying, like you can, the way we designed the book is you can pick up any chapter. You can flip to any chapter and you can take that step that chapter as a standalone um, fun little adventure and uh, improve your life, improve your health, improve your mood, whatever, right there with that one little chapter. And most of them are under 44 pages long. There you go. Most of them are between three and five pages long, and we designed it that way. And where we didn't, our editor did. If you don't need to lose weight, there's 52 other amazing things in the book. Yeah. 51 other things. There you go. I I always look at weight loss. There's no math in the book, though. I always look at weight loss as a side effect of, you know, us expressing health in a better way. And even though sometimes we go after weight loss as our original motivator, I find that most people on the path to their weight loss goal just fall in love with taking care of themselves. And that's my hope for all of you guys listening. Yeah, I mean, weight loss can certainly be the goal, but sometimes people come to us because they have a health goal 
and as a side effect of eating better or moving a little bit more, eating differently, um, sometimes they lose weight. Oftentimes, oftentimes. They, they lose weight. And sometimes so unexpectedly. That's a side effect. And just like sometimes people just want to lose weight and uh, a side effect is they, their skin clears up, they feel better, more energy. Uh, the doctor says, oh, your blood pressure is not high anymore. Side effect. Yep. And it's what almost I, as if everything's connected. Oh my god. I think you might you might be onto something. We should write a book about how everything is connected. <laughs> It'll be called Everything is Connected. And wow. the sub- That's the sound of my head exploding. Yeah, and the subtitle will be the subtitle will be like true facts and real bombs about things you didn't know about your health. You won't believe number twenty one. Mm-hmm true facts about the lime you know if you guys haven't looked at the true facts about the sloth video you must youtube that um we got a couple of listener questions and we wanted to address them live because i feel like that's always where we can come across a little bit more um kind of how we would be in real life when we email or we text or we explain something on facebook it's really difficult to catch us how we would probably answer it in real life Mm -hmm. yeah do you want to take the first one? Uh, what was the first one? The first one is every year I start off really strong in the beginning of the year mm-hmm. and I can follow my diet for about three months. I start losing weight and I feel great. But usually at the end of the third month, something happens. I lose my motivation and then I go back to my old ways and I lose my weight loss results. Help. Okay. Well, I've been there many times, as most of you know. Um, but I'll say it again for those of you who don't, uh, I grew up kind of chubby, fat, overweight, except for my first 30, I don't know, it's been 15 years since I lost weight and kept, kept it off ever since. So that was, I guess I was 35, my first 35 years I was overweight and I had tried many, many times to lose weight and I would success, I would do it successfully for a month or two and then it would just, uh, it was just too much, something, something would cause me to, 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 to pull back or give up. It's almost always one of two things for me and I think for a lot of people. One is doing it for the wrong reasons or expecting some sort of result. Like in mine, in my, mine was mood. Mine was an emotional thing, right? So I thought, gosh, if I only lost the weight, I would be able, I'd be more popular. I would be able to talk to girls. I would have a girlfriend, like would, all these. Would you say like you were after self-confidence? Yes. And then what would happen, like, you know, I was anywhere from 50 to 110 pounds overweight throughout my life, right? So I would lose 20 pounds and then something subconsciously would, or consciously, I guess, would, would kick in and make me realize that, you know, even if I lose another 20 pounds, I'm still not going to be able to talk to that person. Mm-hmm. Or I still am lonely. Um, I'm still, um, you know, I'm still in that same position. So I should have addressed that issue first. And then whether I lost weight or not, I, you sort of disconnect those two goals. So I believe that if you are, if you make yourself happier, more um, emotionally stable, I don't know, healthy, I guess. Oh, in, in your case, you talk about self-confidence very particularly. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I believe that, that, you know, once you've de- uncoupled those two things, it's easier to lose weight because now you're going to lose it for the right. If you, cho- if you do choose to lose weight, you're going to lose it for the right reasons. And then if you 
if you uncouple, as you said, those two things, now you can have the real feedback of, oh, I lost weight and I feel better versus I lost weight and I still feel like crap. Correct. Right. Yeah. So the other thing is, um, so I think there's, actually I wrote something um, called um, Fat and Happy. Mm -hmm. I'll see if I can find it and stick it in the show notes, an article I wrote a long time ago. Uh, and it's in, it's in, oh, I think it's in our book too, Man on Top, right? I think there's an excerpt from it in there. But the other thing is unrealistic expectations. As far as how much weight? Yes, how much weight. And One million pounds. I know. So like we were talking the other day about how people will often, you know, they'll contact like a trainer or a dietitian or a health coach and say, hey, you know, um, I've been meaning to lose weight. I'm getting married. I'm going on a vacation, going on a cruise, going to the beach, and I need to lose some weight. Oh, well, how much do you need to lose? Um, 20 pounds. Well, how long do you have? Six weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, right? And you're like, well, six weeks. That's like, that's like maybe 12 pounds if you're like, you know, like if you really, you know, and then then you really get down to it. Well, I mean, it's really not 12 weeks or six weeks. It's like, you know, it's less and less and less. I'm going on this trip next week. <laughs> you know, I'm getting ready next week. You have a lot of weight to lose. And it's just not, it's uh, unrealized expectations. We have an idea in our minds of like how long things take. And, or we do the math and we say, okay, if I lose two pounds per week, that's eight pounds per month. Eight pounds per month. Oh, that's pretty good. So if I do that for six months, do the math. That's for that forty-eight. Oh, don't ask me about that. That's forty-eight pounds. That's forty-eight pounds. That's roughly fifty pounds, right? So, yeah. so you have fifty pounds to lose, and you have six months to do it. Like, well, on the surface, the math says you can do it, but things get in the way. Life gets in the way. You can get sick. You can get busy at work. Um, that's two pounds a week is like almost like over a long period of time, the best case scenario. Yeah, but right? it, it rarely you can't happens. count on that. Yeah. And you can usually only count on that at the beginning when you have more weight to lose. The, lo the, lo the more weight you lose, the more weight you, w you have lost, the slower it becomes, the harder it becomes. Well, and, and that's because you are consuming less energy. Yeah. You're, you've adapted and you're probably moving less yeah. even in unconscious ways. So your percentage of weight can still go down roughly the same rate. But it's a smaller percentage now. Yeah. Or the, the weight itself is smaller. So what you see is maybe like six pounds month one if you have a ton of weight to lose. And then it might go down to four. It might go down to three or to two. And most people, when they see several months of no change, will actually start feeling really badly about themselves. Like instead of looking at the equations, they'll go back and take it on themselves as if it's some sort of a character flaw yeah. that they can't lose yeah. weight. And and when we feel bad, what do we do? We go to the very thing that makes us feel better, which food and alcohol and hanging out with the wrong crowd mm -hmm. usually helps us feel better for the time being. Or they give up. You know, it's they just stop. They say, you know, they have a couple of like a week or two of of that. And like one week, it's, oh, it's kind of a bummer I didn't lose weight. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen that in The Biggest Loser. People get super bummed out that they didn't lose very much weight after one week. But then they're like, oh, next week's fine. And then if they don't, and then eventually they're like, this is ridiculous. And then they're like super angry and they, they just totally give up. But their expectations have been wrong, usually from the beginning. And they didn't have somebody to coach them through the lows. Yeah. And, urge them, and keep them going on target on the highs. Yeah, you know, I find that when people come for in-person coaching, how often 
if I ask them about their plan, they're like, oh, I'm going to eat this and I'm going to eat that. And they have a good idea about what to eat. I mean, if, if you've been at this game a few times, you know, right? You know that mm-hmm. you can't have Twinkies for breakfast and you can't eat lunch at Pizza Hut. So you know what to do. But they say, I just can't do it long enough. And so when I say, well, what are the obstacles? And usually a blank stare. <laughs> or people will say, I just need more recipes. Which is a stalling strategy, let me tell you. There are millions They're of recipes. They're kind of stalling on, on purpose. No. It is, it is, there are millions of recipes on the internet. There's probably millions of recipes in your kitchen sitting in books you've never opened. What it says is, I would really like to have variety or have fun or be able to be playful and experiment. And somehow we imagine that recipes will solve this, but they, but they don't. You need playfulness and experimentation and fun, maybe in other areas of your life that have nothing to do with food. Right. Um, but when we are so one track, we feel like we have to get everything out of this one area of yeah. our lives. And the other thing, areas like meal plans. People ask for meal plans, and that's usually a sign of like a lack of confidence in what they're doing. It's like they're like, even though they've read a book or they've read an article or their coach has told them what to do, they're like, I'm not really sure that I'm reading this right. Mm-hmm. Like, like how, you know, so they're like, give me a meal plan. Like, just tell me like all the things to eat. But it doesn't really work that way because. Oh, it's like somebody coming and telling you which guy to kiss. No, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Good analogy. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's just such a organic process, what you want to eat one day, what you want to eat the next day, and it's just not right for someone to tell you what to eat. Yes, you never know who's, who's going to look good to kiss. I know. Hmm. Okay, did, I, did we answer that question I think so. well enough? Okay. I think so. Okay. The next question I'm going to ask, for, ask you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you pulling that up. <laughs> okay. This is, uh, okay, here, I'm going to read it for you guys. Um, Some people like myself have had issues with addiction. Though I've got my drug and alcohol consumption under control, I still binge on sugar and comfort foods when I'm feeling lonely or upset. What would you suggest to someone who experiences this? It's socially acceptable, and some people make light of it. The overeating, the binging and the sugar, right? They don't take it seriously. I can get away with it and nobody can tell because I'm in good shape, but it affects me mentally. Great. Thank you for this question. It takes a lot of self-awareness and a lot of kind of a lot of courage to bring something like this up, especially sharing your history. And I don't know if the questioner is male or female, um, but wow, how amazing that you have overcome addiction with drugs and alcohol. Those are your toughest battles, and they are behind you. And so now you have food. Um, I would say that most people who overeat are still after the effects of how they feel after they've eaten. So you reach this point before you're overeating. So picture yourself right now if this is helpful. And Roland, you can do this with, with us. And listeners, you can do this with us. Even if you're driving, just don't close your eyes. So you can close your eyes if you're not driving or operating some sort of a heavy machinery or your hands in a juicer or something. I don't know where you're listening to us. And just <laughs> picture yourself the last time that you reached for food 
when you are sad or lonely or upset or angry or bored or underappreciated or you've just been in an argument, whatever it is. And how did you feel on the inside? And then you reached for the food, you ate it, and then how did you feel after? And so most people will say that they felt better in some ways and worse in others. Like maybe some of the original emotions of loneliness or sadness aren't as acute, but now you might feel shame or guilt or bloatiness or gassiness or stuff stuck between your teeth or whatever it is. So it's very rare that you have an emotional eating episode and then after it, you only feel good. Hmm. So there is suffering before you do it. There is a shift in the focus of what's hurting during. And then after you have a different kind of suffering. So one kind of suffering has been eased a little bit and there's a different kind of suffering on the table. Like what we call the second arrow, right? Not only the original thing, but now you've shot yourself again. And so it's important to see yourself in a cycle of suffering so that you can bring some compassion to yourself and to say, oh, wow, this is really hard. And if you can bring self-compassion in the room, then you can start to disengage a little bit from the shame and the guilt that these behaviors bring. It's also important to know that there is an actual biological and neurobiological reason why chewing, especially eating crunchy foods, or foods that are melty and kind of oozy and and gooey and they're calming in some way, like for me, Chocolate melting in my mouth or creme brulee is different from chips. So it depends on what kind of thing you go for. But we usually have a thing. What's your thing, Roland? Mm. I guess like the thing that came to mind was like sort of like a soft, chewy, gooey brownie. Yeah. Okay. Like Sex in the City where uh, one, of the, one of the ladies was eating them and then she ended up throwing them in the trash and pouring washing detergent on top of them to not keep breaching in the trash and eating from the trash. Real, real story for those of you who have watched the Sex in the City. And so there's a real reason why it helps us and it helps us for the same reason why when we're little babies and we're all upset, wah, 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 if we can come up to mom's bosom and if we can take in some nourishment and if we can feel her calm down, we calm down, then everything's better. And so there's a neurobiological reason, there is a biochemical reason why this feels better. And if you listen to the Emotional Eating Podcast we did in end of November, early December, we talk about how if you interrupt an emotional eating episode with singing or using your facial muscles and your tongue and lip muscles and your jaw muscles, you can interrupt it because some of the same neurobiology that is involved in chewing is also involved in singing and using your jaw muscles and your tongue muscles and your swallowing muscles and, mm. your, and, and kind of the same physiology. And it all comes down to vagal regulation um, and, and the vagus nerve and, and all those organs that are innervated by it under the diaphragm. So 
you can try, you can listen to the episode to get some ideas, or you can just try it just from this one idea here. Try singing a song. Sing a song, dance, and, and see, see what happens and see if you can shift yourself out of it because you can't be experiencing the same thing if you shift the neurobiology. Does that make sense? It does. So knowing that we're primed for wanting to calm ourselves down with something when the calm, the calming and arousal cycles in the nervous system aren't doing themselves. And I think you are interested to learn that, Roland, when I was explaining it to you the other day, where as we develop, we should learn how to be at ease with intense emotions. So here's an intense emotion. It comes up and it goes down and it comes up and it goes down and it kind of the body does it on its own right we call mm -hmm. it self-regulation or auto-regulation the body's regulating these ups and downs ups and downs without us being in discomfort or feeling like it's over threshold or it's unbearable or it's overwhelming but when for whatever reason the body didn't learn how to do that and usually that has to do with our very very early history when the body doesn't learn how to do that well and it, we have to learn how to do this in the first couple of years of life. If we don't learn how to do this well, then we have to do our regulation. So you need to do something to bring yourself down. So a lot of people will say, oh, if I don't do my run, I don't feel good. Hmm. If I don't do my yoga, I don't feel good. If I don't do my journaling, I don't feel good. If I don't do my angel cards in the morning, whatever your doing of the day is, a lot of these addictions that we see that are behavioral addictions like exercise or shopping you know things like that they have to do with that doing the down regulation things go up and then you have to bring yourself down instead of the body doing it on its own so whether you're eating or shopping or exercising anything that has an addictive quality that you can go without is actually doing your regulation for you instead what you can do is you can find somebody who's trained in one of the several neurobiological approaches who can teach you in several or more sessions, depending on the challenge that you're experiencing, how to bring regulation on board. And the exercises are pleasant and fun and you, you get to really learn a lot about your biology. And we'll put in the show notes um, several websites where you can find a therapist who knows how to do that. Okay. Cool? Yeah, great. Was that clear? It was clear. Awesome. You listen to me blabber about this stuff all the time, so it's easy for you. Yes, yes. Well practiced and nodding my head. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, okay. So. Thank you for those questions. They're precious, and we're very happy we get to address them live. Yes. Now, one of the the the, the last thing we're going to talk about real quick because we're keeping this kind of short this week, um, and we have dinner simmering downstairs on right? two Chris Cresser's uh, chicken. Sweet potato, African stew, modified out of recognition. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Um, so you have, we recently came up with this uh, great tool, right? That we've talked about, we sent out on our uh, email list and shared in our groups. Um, but tell us a little bit about the Personal Health Planner. So the Personal Health Planner is a tool which is given to you or shared with you in the form of a video. Okay. So it's a 22 minute video that you play and that you watch. And what the video invites you to do is to imagine the change in your health that you want to create to then make it way more specific 
and to really kind of bring it down to these basic actionable steps that are going to take you in the direction of the change in health that you desire. Okay. Because so this is a workshop, basically. That you, yeah. That, like you're leading the viewer through mm-hmm. to help determine what? Yeah, to help determine how to use the precious energy that we all have that's not that much to really focus on a change that is meaningful and important. And I do it um, by inviting you to take a notebook and a pen. And I take you through some breathing exercises and some kind of visualization exercises to really bring to mind what is it that you most desire to change in your health. And you can use it kind of in the place of a resolution or a vision board or kind of a a collage, whether it's visual or mental, for how you want to shape change in your health. Because you can't do it all. You can't change all your movement and all your eating habits and all your lifestyle um, factors and this work-life balance that we're all trying to find out. In order to be balancing in the way that is effective, you need to really focus your energy. And to focus your energy, you need to know what is it that you're going to be doing. And that has to be very specific. So eating healthy is not specific. But, oh, I'm just going to eat healthier. I don't, that, it's totally meaningless when we say that because it's a nice intention. But because it's not specific and meaningful to you in some way that's really going to change your life, it, it's really hard to act on it. Mm-hmm. So I take you, especially in the... I can use the eating category as an example. We have a move and a lifestyle category through all the different ways that eating healthy can show up as a daily practice. For example, being mindful of your portions or slowing down your meals or buying food differently or planning your meals. So all of these are concrete steps or actions that you can use to change your habits and behaviors, but using these very specific steps so that you're not just having this general intention that doesn't have any substance to it. Because when we have a general intention without substance, when we don't know why it's meaningful to us and we haven't really examined our motives and our um, obstacles to achieving, and we haven't really seen it and felt it and created it ourselves, the chance of success is very low. And every time that you have an intention that you don't follow through on, it, it kind of hits you hard. Like I find people lose confidence in themselves. They feel betrayed by their bodies or by their coaches or by the world. Or it's just like, ah, oh, it's not fair. And then we go to the cynical place that none of us can afford if we really are going to build the health that we are able to express. And if we're going to inspire our families, our communities and the world to change, which is hopefully um, we can all participate in a, in a better, more sane, more healthy world. And then we're going to do the same in the movement category and in the lifestyle category. So I encourage you to really look at it and to to use it and to really take this invitation from us to spend 20 minutes doing it. Here's the part that I like. Tell me what you love that about I'm, it. That, I'm, that it excites me about this. Okay, because it kind of goes back to... Um, proper expectations of proper expectation setting of your goal entirely right because when you like no one's goal is pure like i don't have like if you say i want to lose weight or i want to eat healthy like you said before that's just one aspect 
but there are all these other things in your life that are important to you as well. So one of the things that I liked is when you took people through the exercise of, let's call it like the vision board, like you mentioned before. And we actually had a group of people over and we did it with like five or six people together and they um, did it the old fashioned way. They took stacks of magazines and they cut out pictures based on what they wanted from their, like are they eating and then moving and living. And then they made this sort of a collage on a little small canvas. And, you know, at the beginning, people were like, oh, I just want to lose weight. I want to be healthier, things like that. But then as it was coming, as it sort of painted this whole picture, this collage picture, yeah, they wanted to be healthy, but they also wanted rest and relaxation. And they want, or they wanted to be more flexible. They wanted, there were walks on the beach on there. There were, um, there was togetherness and family. All these things come into place, come into play with your goals and reflect on them. And they, you can use this to not only help you determine which goals are important and which ones you want to focus on right now, but it shows you sort of the big picture, like what's going to, like what you can have if you start working on these goals in one. So it was a really nice, fun motivating exercise there are hundreds of pictures in there that lead you and kind of your more creative side your more observant side to really pick out what is it that you want and sometimes you know we're so left-brained in our society we really want to be logical and we want to be organized and have these smart goals you know specific and measurable and you know time uh related and um um, trackable and I forget what smart stands for because I've never liked it but I remember I had to learn it in high school um, but but really like is everybody going oh I can't wait to have a, a goal that's specific and measurable that's not what we want we want to be happy we want to be fulfilled we want to be at peace we want to express our talents and our gifts whether it's in our families or at work or with our friends and we want meaning, we want a meaningful life. And so I wanted to bring pictures that might bring up something inside of you that you're not aware that you're holding. And you know, oftentimes we put off things until, until. It's like, oh, when my kids go to college, or oh, when I change my job, or oh, when we move to a different state. Oh, when I lose weight, I'll do this. There's a lot of things that are ready. They're sitting there waiting, like, um, you know, when your printer runs out of paper, and the print jobs are waiting and you only have to load the paper and it starts printing. So there's things inside of you that are percolating that are wanting to be um, felt and seen and recognized and expressed. And I'm really hoping that these pictures help to bring them out and bring them forward. Um, I've, for me, the hardest thing was bringing spiritual life into this and images that help with any kind of spirituality that you're drawn to. And I was like, what can I bring that's not just, you know, a Bible or a candle or a Buddhist monk um, or a temple? What is something that, you know, could speak spiritually to you? And it might be a nature scene. It might be you holding a baby. You know, I don't know what that is for you, but I hope that um, you feel something in you gets touched and awakened to really find what is it that's meaningful in exploring more options to achieve greater health, uh, whether it's as a resolution or in, in, some other, in some other way. So we really hope that the personal health planner inspires you. And when you go to eatmovele52 slash health planner, the video is there, but we also have a downloadable PDF 
of um, and the presentation of all the pictures so that you could print them out, you could cut them, you could make an old school collage out of them, you could stick it on your ceiling above your bed or in your bathroom like I do, whatever works for you. Or you can look at the kinds of pictures that are in there and then like start pouring through the magazines that you've been saving all of these years out in the garage or um, or like in the bookshelf that you're never going to read again and you can start cutting pictures out that have been inspiring you all this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And this way we're reusing and recycling for the greater good. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, I feel like it's a good place to round up. Yeah, everything's going to be here in the show notes uh, for this episode. But the health planner itself is at eatmovelive52.com slash health planner. And I will stick the, uh, the other podcast about emotional eating that has all of the, the three methodologies or the three techniques you can use to sort of break that, break yourself out of that cycle of emotional eating. And uh, there was one other thing. I don't remember what it was, but we'll figure it out, right? Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, the links are in the show notes. Yeah, thank you so much. And we appreciate if you take 90 seconds to head over to Amazon and leave us a review and tell us how the book has helped you. And if you don't own the book, what are you waiting for? Thank you so much, you guys. Have a great rest of your day. See you guys in the group. If you like today's show and want more episodes like it, you can help us by rating and reviewing the show wherever you subscribe. That means iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, or in the podcast app on your phone. Do you know somebody who can benefit from today's episode? Share it right now from the show notes, which you can always find at eatmovelive52.com notes. And that funk that's playing behind me, it's called Proto-Funk by Kevin McLeod. Thanks and talk to you soon. Oh, my God.